Hi, I'm Patrick Henningsen, host of the Sunday Wire, and you are listening to the Alternate Current Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Sunday Wire. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. Uh, we're streaming out live on the Alternate Current Radio Network and also at 21stCenturyWire.com. Thank you for rejoining us. In this segment now, we're going to we're going to be paying tribute to Robert Perry uh, at the bottom of the half hour. Um, but there were a few interesting items and events that happened this week uh, that we we thought we'd mention, and one of them started with. Um, we were uh, 21st Century Wire got sort of attacked on Twitter by another alternative media outlet. I, I, I normally wouldn't name the person who did it, but c- quite a few people already know this because they've been following it on Twitter. But um, Sibel Edmonds, uh, who is the founder of NewsBud, um, kind of launched an unprovoked uh, defamatory attack on t- 21st Century Wire, uh, saying that we're uh, inferring that we were, were not real journalists. Uh, that I'm not qualified as a geopolitical analyst, uh, that we are not uh, uh, showing our funding and accused us of having sugar daddies and tons of corporate uh, sponsorship. <laughs> I wish we did, Mike, actually. But uh, And this was all done uh, publicly, and she's a big figure. She's got thousands and thousands of followers on Twitter. So when she puts something out like that, a lot of people read it, and some people might believe it, some people might not. It, it, it did get kind of... I don't know. It, it was kind of personal, very derogatory, and uh, it was totally unprovoked. What provoked it, actually, unknowingly, what, w- this is actually the interesting part of the conversation, uh, is that I had retweeted a tweet by Glenn Greenwald, uh, who is the editor of The Intercept. Uh, that's a, a website. Some people may or may not know it. Glenn Greenwald of Ed Snowden fame. And... Uh, so anyway, I retweeted this tweet, and it was, I think it was about the Palestinians in Israel. Uh, and I know Greenwald is definitely batting for the Palestinians uh, on these issues, and so I retweeted that. I didn't put any commentary with it. And uh, one of her followers uh, made her aware of that, and then that's when she said, oh, 21st century is not what they appear to be, with the words that she actually used. Go ahead to her Twitter account and go look at these tweets. Uh, if you want, um, they're all there unless they've been deleted or I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, I thought it was interesting because this brings us to a number of other issues. Uh, and, you know, when I started using Twitter, Mike, was back in uh, 2009 or 10 or something like that. And I used to use Twitter and a lot of people, this is common in America, a lot of people use it for a lot of different reasons. Some people use it as a bookmarking uh, bookmarking articles and things on the web. Uh, other people used it uh, for other reasons. And it, Twitter's changed and developed now. Now it's become quite political to actually retweet something. Uh, 
And so if, if you retweet something, you're apparently making a, a, an endorsement or a political statement that's uh, supposed to be inferred by your the act of retweeting something. And the press will uh, go after people because they've retweeted this or uh, retweeted David Duke. I've been accused of, uh, of the same thing, uh, even worse, by uh, a really dubious character named Elliot Higgins from Bellingcat, who called me, I can't repeat it on the air, <laughs> but uh, as the classy individual that he is, who is a Atlantic Council NATO-funded uh, person uh, who produces basically propaganda for, for NATO. So, so anyway, we got attacked, and it was, it was not pleasant. Uh, and I, I find it funny that someone's accusing us of being a big foundation-funded or corporate-funded media outlet. Um, that's kind of funny in itself. I, I guess anybody could look on our website and see we have lots of banner ads, uh, and most websites on the Internet have banner ads, and that's how people fund their websites. Uh, we also have subscribers. We have members. We have donors, uh, a number of uh, readers, listeners who donate when they, ha- when they can for us, and I'll read out their names at, at, at the beginning of the next segment, actually. Uh, we have people who have who believe in us and publish our work, like New Dawn Magazine, who help to promote us and spread the word. Uh, we have a lot of great friends out there. And so this is how we're able to uh, survive and keep going and doing the work that we do and the great investigative journalism that we do, the, the great work, the help fund the great work of people like Vanessa Bailey uh, is an example, uh, and myself uh, is, is done through this way. And uh, it's not a glamorous, uh, lucrative uh, business to be in. It's the opposite. Uh, if you want to be committed in this business, you're, you're not going to be uh, wealthy. And uh, it's not going to be glamorous. And you'll be attacked uh, by a lot of people. The Guardian will write hit pieces about you. And what's funny is a lot of the accusations made in the Guardian hit piece are very similar to what uh, uh, Miss Edmonds was uh, kind of characterizing us as not qualified um you know shady funding or something under the control of some unseen entity or something it's just kind of the same theme so anyway the the, the how this all started was a retweet which i thought was interesting so the nature of twitter uh is something of its own i mean there's a lot of interesting things that go on twitter you have gang stalking you have a lot of this sort of swarming and a lot of it is just because a lot of people uh, congregate around issues, congregate around publications and so forth. But the idea that you can't, the, the implication is that the, the intercept is a, a shady organization because it's funded by uh, eBay founder Pierre Medire, okay, who's kind of like a George Soros type coming up through the ranks. Uh, kind of playing a similar role as that of in terms of the Open Society type foundation funded uh, change agent uh, who's involved uh, with the deep state whose maybe involvement goes even further than that. Okay, the the in terms of information, uh, the Intercept has writers. They have many editors. There's a lot of different kind of content on this website. They have cited and linked to articles on this website before because the information to me is good relevant to my investigation or, or my report 
So I would cite it. And, uh, and people say, well, you can't do that because of its, uh, its, its funding is suspect. Um, I'm going to say, uh, well, NBC International, uh, BuzzFeed, I've cited these too. They're, they're run by military industrial complex, uh, uh, corporate entities. Okay. Warmongering entities, basically. But they still contain fact. And this is my point. They still contain information which is either real or it's false at that time. The papers of record, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the BBC, even CNN. They, CNN produces fake news on a daily basis. But, but I still will link or cite CNN at certain times because of the information. I know what CNN is. I know what they do. But I also know that they produce a certain type of information. Some of it is used to validate events and timelines in history and facts or agreed upon facts at that time. So I do the same with the New York Times. Academics uh, will use the New York Times, the Washington Post, uh, and cite them. And some of those same academics, which we are in touch with, will also point out that they produce fake news and absolute disinformation. I think uh, to categorically dismiss um, a news source, a big news source, uh, on the basis that uh, their their owner or organization might be a part of a conspiracy, which is certainly could be the case with every media organization, actually, on the planet, practically. Um, but we still take information from them, is my point. We still cite them. We still reference them, no matter who they are. Okay. So it's it's... It's an interesting conversation. Well, I think I think for me, Patrick, when when I saw this, uh, it, it's it's a bit disappointing uh, in many ways. Uh, I think there are so few good quality alternative media uh, outlets out there um, that uh, alternative media outlets shouldn't be attacking each other. There, it it says something about the alternative media community as well because uh, you know since when did a retweet uh, become uh, agreement from from the person who's retweeted the item? You know if 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 you are retweeting a a, a, a post from the Guardian or from the Times or from you know you're retweeting it because you might because not because you agree with it necessarily but because the people that are on your Twitter feed. You feel might be interested in what uh, in the piece of information that's being pushed out, right? So, so maybe uh, maybe it would be better to instead of re- simply tweeting, but to quote the tweet and, and uh, put some context on it. Maybe that's a good thing to do uh, rather than simply retweeting. But, but apparently, we're not allowed to retweet to in order to attract somebody else's attention to something that somebody else has posted uh, because there's an assumption that you agree with what uh, has been retweeted. That's something that that is. Uh, I think a part of the community that, that we are part of. Uh, maybe we can't get away from that. But in a sense, it concerns me a bit because if we look at what goes on with the with the uh, with the mainstream media, we look at Channel Four News, for example, uh, and Kathy Newman and her recent uh, interview with Jordan Peterson. Now she has had somebody on her program that she fundamentally disagrees with, uh, but she's allowed to do that. It seems that in the alternative world, um, if we have somebody on our, our formats or our platforms that our audience disagrees with, 
then we we get attacked for that because we're presenting somebody who is uh, who our audience disagrees with. That's that's a difficult thing. That's di- that we are treating mainstream media and alternative media different in that sense because mm-hmm. alternative media only, apparently is only allowed to promote stuff that we agree with. Right. Uh, that's dangerous. Mm. Well, that's that's becoming like the mainstream in in a sense, right? Well, it, it it it's even worse than the mainstream in a sense because it means that 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 uh, you know if 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 I want to have somebody on uh, if I want to interview somebody that my audience uh, isn't going to agree with, I have to think twice about whether I want to do that or not. Yeah, and I should that you know people are people are then uh, I'm not getting the opportunity to challenge views that I don't agree with. And that that brings up a good point. We're going to hit that point. We're going to take a hard break real quick with HCR, and we're going to hold that thought, Mike, because we're going to pick up that thread on the other side. Uh, but, Mike, so just, just reiterate what the point you were making uh, before the break again. Well, uh, the point I'm making is the mainstream media is allowed to have all comers on their on, – and it's accepted that, that mainstream media, media will have all comers on their uh, uh, on their programs, their platforms – uh, people that we might like and people that we certainly wouldn't like, but that's accepted and th- those people get interviewed and some of those interviews are are, are uh, quite aggressive uh, as as Kathy Newman showed, right? With, with Jordan Peterson. Right. Yeah. Uh, but but there seems to be, on, on the alternative side, there seems to be a, a, a fear of having people that, are, that our audience won't agree with necessarily on our programs because of exactly the reaction that you've had from Sibel Edmonds. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this uh, uh, almost a likelihood that if you have somebody who's not part of the club uh, on your platform, that the assumption is that you agree with them, mm-hmm. and you will be you'll be attacked for it. Sure. Uh, and I think we've got to get uh, get beyond that somewhat yeah. because because uh, there are people out there that are presenting views that should be challenged. Uh, and we're not getting the opportunity to challenge those views. Yeah, I mean, I've had people on the show, Mike, that we're we're totally on the same page on so many issues, and then they'll they'll start talking about climate change, right? Yeah. And of course, I'm I'm on a different page than them on on I'm not on the mainstream page on climate change. I have a different view of of this in terms of how it's perceived by by the public and the role of science, or what they call science in this thing called climate science. So, um, but that doesn't mean that I can't have a conversation with them but i will get the condemnation of the from the congregation shill shill you know like which which right um sort of thing and so that's i think that's what you're talking about that's exactly what i'm talking about yeah Yeah, it's it's sort of rounded condemnation so i think what's interesting is alternative media in in, in some ways uh has to be careful that it doesn't become too narrow-minded uh and also irrational because that that decision that you're making there by condemning people for talking to this person or retweeting that person, um, that's a political, by definition, that is a political move uh, of condemnation. So you, there, people are framing this in a political context. So you have political, a political atmosphere is formed in that in that sense, and so that's not based on fact. It's not based on rational critical thinking it's based on emotion and politics those two things so that's what's that's what does govern a lot of people not just in the alternative media in the mainstream too okay um but i think it's interesting because we always complain that oh the mainstream media won't have 
uh, us on their platform and, you know, that's not fair. And, uh, you know, I just laugh, you know, I don't, I, I've been, I, I've been chased at least twice by the B, by BBC producers. No, and I knew exactly what was going to happen if I accepted. Yeah. So I just avoid them because I know that their intentions are not, um, honorable. They're not honorable at all. So, um, but still, you know, why should we, uh, not have people from, a slightly different opinion or part of the political spectrum or part of the mainstream spectrum. Why, why can we not have them on our programs? We, we, we've just got to get past this assumption that anything that, uh, anything that we present that is automatically something that we are presenting as if we agree. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. I mean, they might have a totally bogus perception of, of the war in Syria, which let's face it. Most people in the mainstream do. Okay. Um, they might be, uh, uh, in league with some of the worst propagandists going when it comes to the, uh, the, the, the fake wars and undeclared wars of aggression and deep state uh, subterfuge and so forth. But on other issues, um, they might not be. And so I can't categorically dismiss everybody all the time. It's just too much work, Mike. But, but, but I, I tend to look at things in a more detached way. Um, I do look first at as information, as raw data is how I look at it. And it's either useful for me or it's not useful for me. And in terms of what I'm trying to do, in the case that I'm trying to build, the argument I'm trying to make, the research I'm doing, um, is, is, a, is a mosaic of little pieces of information that, are, that come together. And that's, what, that's a lot of what we do. I know that's what you do as well. And you, you, you get your information from some very diverse places uh, when you're putting together reports. Uh, and so I'm very critical of NGOs like Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International, but I also have to um, mix and meet and talk with these people when I travel. They're they're everywhere, and some of them are very good people, and and many of them are maybe not necessarily involved with all the dirtier aspects of that business, but I can't condemn them uh, just because they work for that organization. Because it doesn't mean they're a bad person. Uh, it means that maybe the organization is a bit corrupt in, in many places and being used by governments in deep state to produce propaganda. That's beyond a doubt. But uh, to condemn people uh, like this, I think it's uh, – look, at the end of the – this. Well, it's simply not productive, Patrick. At, at the end of the day, it's not productive. Nothing, nothing has been gained from, from this attack uh, last week or from – other attacks that, that you and Vanessa Bailey have uh, experienced from other alternative media uh, personalities. Oh, yes. So, you know, it's not productive. We should not be attacking each other. We've got a huge, we've got 100,000 huge big targets out there that are all uh, carrying out pretty reprehensible uh, uh, activities and really seriously Retweeting something from from the intercept is not the biggest crime on the planet, <laughs> even if you even if you were agreeing with what was being said in the tweet. Mm. And but but the, this brings us to the to the last point, and I'll, I'll underline this, and this is my last word on this, Mike. So if 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 you're truly independent and you call yourself independent media, right? To 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 be truly free um, is to be able to talk to whoever you want, whenever you want, and uh, to hell with the consequences. Then you're totally free. You're totally independent. Okay, and I mean anybody. How many people out there, Mike, can do that? How many? Who are they? Are there any? Mm. Name one. Can't. The closest one I can name 
and a lot of people are going to chuckle or not. But the most, in terms of talking to anybody, regardless, with no filters, the most independent person in alternative media and all media has to be Jeff Rents. Okay. Jeff, Jeff Rents, there's no barriers, there's no obstacles. He is basically open for everybody, basically. No matter the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if you want to talk about pure independent media, it, that's the only guy that can f- actually fits the definition yeah. fr- from a pure definition, right? It's not. It's 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 almost impossible to do. You know. What about in the mainstream media? Is there anybody there uh, who's truly independent? Um, not really. In relation to U.S. media, you could say RT is very uh, an international news international ge- geopolitics middle east so forth um rt is 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 pretty compared to the u.s media is very independent looking okay but in terms of mainstream media there's not much larry king larry king yes but he, had, he had to run to rt to, to continue to do <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point yeah, yeah he had to run to rt to keep his career going yeah. So it's even a, even Larry King, and people can say what they want about Larry King, but if you look at the diversity of guests that Larry King has had over 40 years, it's pretty diverse. Yeah. He's had pretty much almost everybody. Um, and so these days, maybe not so much, uh, you know, but it's a, it's a bigger field these days. You've got reality TV people. You've got mm. tons of new entertainment people. You've got everyone's in politics these days, it seems. So, uh, but it's not like it was in 1975. But this, the politics of exclusion, in other words, the peer pressure or the, let's call it the social desirability phenomenon within alternative media would keep you from, from posting something or talking to somebody because you're afraid of, you know, being swarmed on Twitter as a shill. Mm. Okay. That's the politics of exclusion. And if, if you're in that environment, you're not independent. Yeah. If you're free from that environment, you're independent. You know, so there's a lot of guys out there that I, I criticize, and they have crazy conspiratorial people on their shows and whatnot. But on one level, I criticize the content, but I don't criticize their independence. Yeah, and and I, I think smart people need to look and decide for themselves if the content is real, true, or not. And that that to me is is better than censorship, right? But this crowd censoring through shame and pointing the finger and stuff like that. I mean, gosh, we're like in, uh, it's like a, it's like an Eric Jarman film, you know, with uh, Ken Russell. Yeah. You know, it's, I feel like we're back in the days of the roundheads and the Cavaliers. Yeah. You know, scary. So anyway, that's, that, that's what, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, um, I, I think these are important things that should be talked about. And that's what I gleaned from this experience this week. It got me thinking about this. Yeah. You know, it did open the door to this issue. So I, I thought it was really interesting. So I thought I'd share that with everybody. But uh, we're going to take another uh, short break and we're going to come back uh, and we're going to really get into the, the main theme of this show. And, and this is something very uh, important. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pay tribute to the great Robert Perry uh, in the next segment. And uh, you don't want to miss this. Um, this is going to be special. Uh, and a lot of people followed Robert's work, and I think you're going to get a lot out of the next the next hour. So we'll be right back. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. I'm here with Mike Robinson, editor of the UK Column. Uh, we are live on the Alternate Current Radio Network, 
Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Fool me once. Shame on shame on you. If fool me, we can't get fooled again. <laughs> 